good to uh, be here today. I was been out of town for a couple. Last week, something tremendous happened in the world, and uh, and if we're paying attention at all, we know that our uh, our friends in Israel got under attack, and. Uh, and I feel like today, you know, normally at this time of uh, when we start church, at this time we pray for uh, for another church. We pray for uh, the fellowship and the, and the power of the Lord to be there and, and the Lord to visit the place and, and God move and all the stuff we pray for them. And um, so... But today I feel like we're supposed to pray for something a little different. And uh, before we start the message, I'm gonna, I'm, I feel I've been feeling all week I've been feeling drawn to pray over our nation, our friends in Israel. Uh, they're going through a uh, horrible attack, and um, and these are this is a nation that is sort of handpicked by the Lord. And, um, and they have the favor of the Lord on them. Uh, I was watching a video clip of the what they call the Iron Dome. And uh, when someone fired a rocket over that way, they would, uh, the, the, you could see the, the, the tracer on the rocket. And it would go, and then when they get towards where the target was, it would turn and go a different direction. And wow, I think that technology is so cool. You know, I just think that's wonderful. But God does that a lot. Uh, and that we're asking, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to watch over them. Uh, they were viciously attacked. And of course, then they responded in, uh, I think, an appropriate way. And, um, and there's a lot of people going to die because of that. I'm really sorry about that. Um, but I, I feel like we're supposed to pray for Israel in particular, and also for the, the people who attacked them and, uh, and their enemy. So we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to pray for the enemies as well as the friends. Does that make sense? And so today I want to say a prayer before we start, and, uh, and then we're going to pray, pray for them. The Lord's given me a couple things in particular to pray about. And I'll try to uh, I'll try to do that. Um, we're going to pray for uh, their security. Uh, and the, let me read you the scripture. Psalms one twenty two says this: Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May those be at, uh, at peace within your walls and uh, security for your people. And, uh, and so we're going to bless. And Genesis chapter 12 says this. It's God speaking. He said, and I will bless those that bless Israel and I will curse those who curse Israel. So what we want to do is we're going to pronounce from us as if we are a representation of the people in our, on our street, and we're going to pronounce a blessing toward the people of Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu to make right decisions and have wisdom of the Lord 
and, uh, and ask the Lord to intervene on behalf of his people. Okay? Are we all right with that? So, Father God, I just bless. Your word says that when we bless, when we are to bless Israel and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and Lord, we bless that now in Jesus' name. And we ask you, Lord, for wisdom and direction in this situation that they are in, that you would go and stand with them, that you would fight for them in this day that, that we're in right now, in the battle that's going on. And we thank you, Lord, because you've already shown yourself to be, uh, that you favored certain, certain ones there. And we ask you, Lord, that you would send your, your protection over them and bless them in Jesus' name. Let the Iron Dome do what it's designed to do. And that, Lord, that you would take up the slack and, and cover the rest of it in Jesus' name. Lord, we bless them and peace come to Jerusalem in Jesus' name and to the people there. Now comfort those who have lost their loved ones in this battle. Comfort them in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for the enemy to the, to the Hamas people. We, I thank you, Lord, because you saved one of the Hamas leader's sons, one of his children. They're going to come to, Christ, come to Christ. We bless that now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just ask for visitation for them, that your Holy Spirit would go and begin to convict their hearts, and Lord, that you would bring them in, let them see the light, let them see the light, let them see Jesus. In the, in the name of the Lord, I bless that. And we just ask, Lord, that you would cause a revival to break out in the, in the Hamas, in the Gaza Strip, when all the devastation, out of devastation, let revival flow, flow out of there in Jesus' name. And let your grace and your mercy and your power rule in the name of the Lord. And we all said, Amen. Amen. We got it? Uh, I want to, uh, last time when, uh, when I was you got to speak, and uh, thank you. That's a good place to put that. And the last time I was spoke, that I noticed uh, the last time there was uh, a lot of. I was so distracted. I, I was like, I could not even. I had a. I thought it was a decent word, and uh, and I, I plowed through that and went ahead and delivered the word. And it was okay. It went out all right. And so I've, uh, I've, I feel like that there is, is some, have been some distraction. And so I've been, I've been praying over that this week about the Lord to remove the, the unnecessary distractions. And uh, there is something that uh, I, was called attention to me, called, got my attention. And so I want to share a little piece about that before we get into the, to the message message today. I want to say, you know we're at war. Jesus did not die on the cross so that we'd go, we could go to Sunday school and learn lessons. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be soldiers in his, in his army. 
He's, he went through all he went through because he's calling us out of the place that we were and others out of that place into a place of war. We're at war. Uh, we're, it, I know we're having the battle going on over there in Israel and in, in Hamas and in Gaza Strip. I know all that's going on. But there's a spiritual war that's going on as well. There's a battle for our attention. There's a battle for our minds. There's a battle for our souls. There's a battle for our families. There's a battle for us. There's a battle going on. There's people that walk on the streets here that live in the, in the area, that live in the streets or on the streets, and there's a battle for their soul. There's a battle for the people who go to the first church and the second church and the third church and the Pentecostal church and the non-Pentecostal, and all, there's a battle going on all the time for our souls. There's a battle. And we have to understand we have to get a picture in our minds that we are at war. And I'll go ahead and give you a, a heads up. I read through this book here a, a number of times. And I read through and I, I've realized in the back pages we win. Yeah. We're the winners. We're not the enemy, I mean, we're, we're not, we're, we're the, we're the, we are the winners. We win in the end. But the Lord wants us to be victorious now until we understand that we win, until we reach across the goal line. He wants us to understand that we are victorious and we are to be victorious. And he's given us tools and some ways to, that we can do that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So we're at battle. I said this this week. I suddenly became aware that our youth are in a, the, the enemy has come to kill them, to destroy them. Many of them over the past several months have committed suicide. The enemy wants to take them out. Not just the youth. Older people too. He's taking them out. When God had a, a, a thing for them to do, an assignment for them to do, and the enemy took them out before it was time, before they got to do what they were supposed to do. There is a, a, a the enemy has come out of the pit of hell to destroy the youth of our nation and of our families. Let me say this. I had a picture, a clear picture, in my, in my prayer time. I had a picture of the grandparents standing and proclaiming victory over our children and over our children's children and over the ones below them, the great-grands. I've asked the Lord, and I began to pray, Oh God, let us stand in the gap and make up, sort of make up the hedge is an old term. Let us stand in the gap and make up the hedge for our children and our grandchildren. 
and we repent for the, our lack of doing whatever it is we were supposed to have done. We missed the mark, apparently somewhere down the road, we missed the mark. And so, Lord, we repent for that. And so we just, I want to move forward. And I said to this, I, I, I pictured in my mind, that we proclaim that the enemy has to take his hold and his hands off of those people who we have dedicated to the Lord. I dedicated, our, Jan and I dedicated our boys to the Lord back a hundred, well, they're not that old, a long time ago, I always say a hundred years. A hundred years could be ten years, it could be fifty years, but if I say a hundred years, it's not quite a hundred years, maybe half that, almost half that. We took our sons one at a time, we took them to the church, we prayed, the pastor came, they did a little oil, they did a little stuff, and the Pray, had a special prayer, read out of a book, and it was all. We made a, a commitment to God to raise him in the love and the admonition of the Lord. We prayed over that, and we agreed to that, and we signed up for that. When we did that, hear this, when we did that, we dedicated our children to the Lord. Guess who they belonged to then? The Lord. We dedicated our children to the Lord. I see a picture. In my mind's eye and in my spirit, I see a picture of the grandparents standing next to their children, holding hands with their grandchildren, holding hands with their great-grandchildren. And Lord, we have, we have over the years dedicated ourselves to you. We have dedicated our children to you. And we say to the enemy, you get your filthy hands off of God's property because we gave them to God. They belong to God and you have no authority to do anything to them, to harm them, to take them to hell. Amen. Well, it's hard to get that out, but I got it. I'm waiting to get to the message. I have to warm up. I've only got seven pages, so y'all got anything to do before two o'clock? <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. Let's see where we are. I got to read a text or do something. I don't know what I'm doing. Let me say this. Not only families, but the church is under attack. I, I know people, I'm acquainted with folks that have gone to church all of their lives, been involved in church all their lives, and now you can't pay them enough money to go to church somewhere. They ain't going. They don't want to go. I know a lady that uh, just this week, she got hurt at church. And you know, the church is the, is the only segment of society that I'm aware of that kills its wounded. People come in bruised and beat up and we just ignore them. I went to this church one time, took my family, uh, walked in. They had no idea who I was. They didn't know me from that. It was a Pentecostal church in Birmingham. And if I called the name, some of you would know where it's at, but it's 
it's, a, it's, it's okay, you don't matter. Uh, I went there. I pulled up in my nice Cadillac. I looked good. I had my three-piece light blue suit on. I looked really good. I sparkly. I shined. The missus was good. The kids were clean. They had a bath. They had nice clothes on. We went to church. Walk in, and no one spoke to us on the way in. Good-sized church, probably a couple hundred people there. While we were there, guess what? Nobody spoke to us on the way while we were there. When we started to leave, guess what? Same thing. Nobody spoke to us on the way out the door. Guess where I didn't want to go back to church at? That church. I got friends that go to that church today. And one of them, one of them my buddy asked me, he said, I'd like you to come and, join, uh, come and hang out at our church. I said, oh, no. I did like this. No, no. I went there one time before. Y'all didn't speak to me on the way in. I was looking for a church to go to. Y'all didn't speak to me on the, while I was there, and you didn't speak to me on the way out. He, he said, I didn't go to church there then. I said, I don't care. I ain't going back to that church. That's not good. The church is the only one when people are coming in and looking for a place to get healed. Now, the church is the only group of society that I'm aware of that kills its wounded or ignores the ones that are wounded. We have to change that. We have to change that. We're at war. We have to use every tool available to win the loss. We have to use every tool available to love people where they are because they don't get love out there. If, if they do, it's bad. I'll tell you a quick story. I was pastoring a church in Coleman called the Vineyard, and we planted the church. And uh, I had a chance to go and visit this um, the jail. Now, to go to Coleman to visit at the jail as a minister, you have to dance with the with the sheriff and. Uh, you have to go to jump through some hoops, and you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork. You have to get in line, and if you're the first day, you're the last. If you're the first, if it's your first day to go and speak, you're the last one to get to speak. And so I went there, and I, they have preacher day this Sunday afternoon at the church. So I got there as quick as I could. I had on my my leather black leather vest and some black jeans and a white t-shirt and some shoes. I had boots on that day. So I went to church that day and I was I was I was dressed up. And uh, so I went to the uh, went to the jail. I got invited to go. I had been there once before but it wasn't preacher day, it was on a different day and I noticed when it was a girl in jail and her name was Mary. Mary had been in uh, in in there in there for three or four weeks. She'd been there a little while. And so she was in trouble. She'd come to church once she had three children. They'd all been taken away through child services, had taken them away. She was on their own drug, uh, drug charges, and, uh, and so she was still in jail. She'd given her life to Christ, so she said it. When I went there, that's, that's on a Thursday I went. It wasn't preacher day. I went, and I noticed in the jail cell, there was two cells. There was, uh, when you walk up to this doorway, it's kind of like that door over there, uh, doorway, it's kind of open, no door there, just opening. And there's a little space between the doorway there and 
the, the deck of jail bars, the bars and the doors. It was probably at eight feet. And so I'm standing in the middle, and there's a cell going this way, and there's two, two groups here, a group of women on this side, a group of women on this side. One side has an old TV, this rounded screen, and it's like a 32-inch, the kind you can't pick up and carry. It's the way it's a ton. I had one. I gave it away. I told him, you can tote it, you can have it. That was the way I did it. So uh, before they had this flat screen. So I went, to, I went to that day and saw her, and Mary was over here with the side where the, the TV was at. And, uh, and the next time I went on Preacher Day, which is like a few days later, she was on this side where there was no TV. And I asked a question. I said, I got a question. You got to, when you've been a pastor for a little while, you, can, you don't have to count the people. I can look at a crowd and say, I know how many people's here. I can drive by a church and see how many cars in the parking lot. Multiply that 1.8, and I'm, I can tell you how many people's in there. Or if it's a bunch of young people, 2.3, and there, there they are. I can count them. I can tell you how many people attend the church today by just looking at the cars in the parking lot. So I, I looked, scanned, I said, there's like two, there's a dozen, dozen people here. Uh, two dozen. So a dozen on this side, and a dozen on this side, and 12 and 12. And I knew that. And so when I got to the preacher day, it was like I went on this side and I saw, there's 12, there's 12. They said it was still about the same number. Some had gone away and some they replaced with others. It's still 12 and 12. And so I, I said, I was in the last one to speak. The guy in front of me was a Baptist preacher from Coleman. Wasn't a, wasn't a big Coleman church. It was a smaller church. And he had his chocolate brown three-piece suit that was slick looking, but he had to pay at least $59 for it. And he had on his brown shoes that matched and his brown briefcase that matched his suit, his outfit. And he was about five foot three or four, and he was, a, he was almost that same width on the width as he was the height. And he was in front of me, and he got up there to speak. Each one gives us a few, a few minutes. He looked up there at the girl and she was looking at a Playgirl magazine. He said, are you up there on that bunk bed up there? You're looking at that Playgirl that leads to pornography and that's a sin and you're going to hell. And he turned to this lady playing solitary in the back of the room. He could see the cards. You're back there playing with them cards. Uh, you're, uh, you're like, that leads to gambling. That's a sin and you're going to hell. And he said, <laughs> What are you preaching all these people to hell? And then he started preaching on abortion. And I'm thinking, there ain't nobody here. Most of these people, some of these, half of these people have past childbearing years, you know. And so he's preaching to the wrong crowd. Didn't he say that for another crowd? And so she just, he just kept on. And so the guard's name was Sheila. And Sheila was a big girl. She didn't have a neck. Her head fit right down on her shoulders, and she could mash me because she was so strong. She could mash me like a pencil. I mean, she was just like, I mean, she was like, she could take me out in one. So I said, well, uh, okay. She said, Sheila said, we've got one more, Reverend. You have to hurry up. So then she looked at me. She said, Reverend, it's your turn. So I got up, and as soon as I did, I noticed there was 
how many people was there, I could see all of them. I said, you know, there's, there's two dozen people here, and the chances are six of y'all are PMSing at the same time. I couldn't even stop myself. That came out. And I didn't realize, but I actually hit a nerve because they just had a fight before I got there. I had no idea. They had a, a, a fist fight, a hair puller, uh, just before I got there about uh, because of PMSing. Somebody was PMSing. And, and everybody said, I said, I had a few minutes. I said, my, my message was this. I didn't have a Bible. I was so ill-prepared. So I stood there and I said, you know, there are bars that are put here to contain you, but it's only temporary. For some of you, it's going to go away really soon, and some of you will be going away pretty soon. But there's bars that's over your hearts that only God can fix, that only God can heal. And I had no idea where that come from. It just came out. I couldn't stop myself. And I said, you will, uh, that's, that's, uh, Mary said, what? Big Sheila was standing over and she said, you got one minute, Reverend, you got one minute. And I'm like, okay, I got to pray real quick. Mary said, can you pray? And I said, sure. So I began to pray. And the, when I got through praying, the girl that had the Playgirl magazine had laid it over to the side. Tear, her name was Sherry. And tears was coming out of her eyes. I prayed over them. And, and, and I had three minutes God did more in three minutes than that guy did with his briefcase and his slick brown suit and cost fifty nine dollars. He did he did, he did more damage and the Lord fixed them all at one time. And two weeks later, I didn't get to go the next week. The week after that, Ben Sheila came to see me. She came out of her office and she said, "Reverend, I got something for you. I need you to come to my office." And I'm thinking, girls, begin to scream. I think she's going to beat me up. And that's exactly what I thought was happening. So I went, I went into the office and she said, she handed me two cards and the two cards, she, they, she said, the girls made me go to the Hallmark store and buy you a card because you gave them words of life. You hit them right where they needed it. And every one of them signed the cards. I still have those cards. They're in storage, but I still have those cards today. I wouldn't take a gold monkey for those things. The reason I told you that story is this. There's people that have needs. They're in battle. They're in the battle. They're casualties of the battle. And what the Lord wants us to do is this. Get ourselves into a place where we can be useful to help those people that are, that are wounded in the house of the Lord and those people that are wounded outside the house of the Lord. He wants us to do that. I need to move on my lesson. I got distracted by that. I got distracted by that message there, that, uh, that uh, event. I want to tell you this story real quick. Not stories, I'll tell you what's happening. Do you know that in Israel, things that happen in Israel, when there's a happening there, there's always a happening of some kind there's a correlation between the nation of Israel and the church of Jesus. If you don't know that, I'm going to show you. May 14, 1948. The nation, uh, Harry Truman, I think, was the president then. 
but uh, the nation of Israel, Israel became a nation again. It was all, it was, and people started gathering there to make a nation in, uh, in 1948. About that same time, healing revivals broke out all over the place, and tent meetings went up, and dad, my dad was part of that generation. He had his tent. He went put it up all over the place in the southeast and, and the ministry and preached the gospel. He went around doing all that stuff over the years. And, um, and, and there's a revival. Healing revivals broke out in 1948. And on and on. In 67, there was another event that happened. And that's when the, the Six-Day War happened. And when it happened... Over in the USA, in the Haight-Ashbury area, they became an outpouring of Holy Spirit's presence in a, in, a, in a public meeting. Holy Spirit showed up, and that was the beginning of the Jesus people movement. It happened about the same, almost to the day, the same time. It happened again. Something else was going on. 2018, 70 years from the time Israel became a nation again, 70 years President Trump moved the gent the, he, he made it up where the, the, uh, the, the embassy. Head, embassy. Embassy, that's the word. The embassy got moved. Why did I miss that? I missed that. I probably wrote it down somewhere. The embassy was moved to Jerusalem in, in 2018. But about that same time there started being revivals break out in all of the college campuses. It's not a small thing. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing. Right now, Israel is in war, and so what I have to, uh, we have to understand that Israel's in war, and so is the church in war. We're in a place of battle, and we have to suit ourselves up for battle. Get ready, because I believe we're going to be some war. Amen. Let me get a sip of this. It's special anointed. Holy water. Are you with me so far? Are you trekking? Just so you'll know, the scriptures say this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're in battle. We don't have sticks. We don't have slingshots. We don't have uh, we don't have rocks. We don't have we don't have to use guns. I have some, but we don't have to use them. The weapons of our warfare are mighty. And that's something that lives inside us. Holy Spirit lives in us. And that would be a good place for you to say amen. That was sort of sad, but I'll take it. In uh, in twenty COVID nineteen 
COVID-19 was released into the nation, 19 and 20 and 21. The COVID-19 was released into the nation. I'm not sure why. I'm not real sure how. I've tried to trek along with it. I had it two times. The first time I had it, I thought I was dying. I actually laid on the couch. I laid on the couch for, I thought it was like a three days, and four days downstairs. The missus said, no, it was 11. Uh, 11 days I laid on the couch. I couldn't even walk to the mailbox. <coughs> the enemy was out to kill me in 2019. He wanted to kill me. I ended up with an AFib. I don't have it now. I ended up sick. I'm not sick now. But a lot of my friends passed away. Some, Most of them are believers, love Jesus, part of our small groups over the years, followed around with, we, we, we went to different things together, uh, all kinds of things together. And uh, we, we had a, a great relationship and, and a lot of them have passed away because of it. The thief comes for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly, Jesus. The reason why we've made it through, all of us sitting here and made it through COVID, so we are living testimonies of people who God saved and God spared. Amen. In the process of that, the enemy had his design to shut down churches because of not to meet, to cancel services, meet outside, wear a mask, stay uh, distance, a safe distance in a park, all of that stuff. No, one, one, one part of the nation, they said, we don't allow anybody to be singing songs. And I'm thinking, you want to cut out our worship? We want to worship God, and yet, oh, I know what it is. You don't want us to worship God. I figured it out right away. My lightning fast mind. I figured it out. They tried to shut down the church and cause the church to be gone and shut down and no good and not of any effect at all. But I tell you that some of us are going to wake up if we're not already wicked. Uh, I'm going to make a new term for the word woke. We're woke. But we're not woke like a, like one group because we are woke because we understand what the deal is. The enemy's tried to kill us, but we are not laying down without a fight. Amen. Tried to destroy our faith. And we all know that when, when faith is destroyed, then comes fear. Because having fear is the, opposite, is the absence of faith, and having faith is the absence of fear. I don't have fear. I'm not afraid. <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, said, does it make you nervous when you get up to speak? I said, do you know my heart rate? My heart rate stays exactly the same the whole time I'm preaching. You can check it. It's exactly the same. My blood pressure don't go up. I say the same, it stays the same all the way through. 
They wanted to stop that. They wanted to close the churches. I'm going to say this, and I speak this prophetically, and I heard, I heard, I heard the Lord say this word. There are people who have lasting effects of COVID in their life and in their body. And we're going to begin to pray for people who have had COVID and have effects still in their body from COVID. And when we pray for that, the Lord's going to heal them. Okay. We have people that attend our church. We have people that we have in our families that have lasting, still having effects of COVID in their bodies. We have the ability to pray and ask God to heal and to drive back those things that were left in our bodies from COVID. Amen. 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 I speak that to now. The scripture says in uh, Psalm 34, 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Amen. I'm telling you now, you're going to see it's coming up right away. It's already started, but we're going to begin to see it in our life. The children who have autism spectrum the Lord's going to begin healing some of them. People who are, have been diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's, we're going to begin to see people with dementia and Alzheimer's be healed in Jesus' name. The Lord will take that off of their, out of their mind. It will not be, He will heal them and restore them back to the way it was before. That's a good word out there. Amen. That's what I'm telling you prophetically. This is what God wants to do. Amen. Jeremiah 37, 17 says this. Our Lord, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing hard for you. When people say, when you... When you talk about dementia, or you talk about Alzheimer's, or you talk about uh, autism spectrum, you talk about any ADHD, you talk about any of those things. Oh, we gotta, we gotta. No, we just had to pray, and that's God to heal. If God don't heal them, I'm gonna say this. Hang on. If God can't heal them, I'll quit doing what I'm doing. I have to. Because I'm telling you what the word of the Lord is. The Lord says, I want to heal these people. I told you the story. I'm, I'm walking the dog. And I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking my, my puppy. We're going down the alley. And I'm coming back. And I find, I always pick up trash along the way. I, I think it's tricky. It's like, throws me, like me driving by your yard and, and tossing a about uh, a Coke bottle over there in your yard. I ain't, I ain't, I'm not going to do that. And so people just throw the trash out sometimes it lands in my yard. So I picked it up. found a piece of paper that said it was an admission application 
for an Alzheimer's, uh, as an Alzheimer's patient, to some hospital. I looked at it and I said, oh yeah, that's nice. I wonder why that got here. So, I, I, no, the first time I did, I didn't think it up. I, I, I just, I didn't have it. I didn't see it then. It was the first time I went walking the dog, the paper wasn't there. I just picked up paper and threw it away. The second time, I went in, the first time I went in and sat down in the chair, I gave her a treat because she'd done her stuff. I gave her a treat. And the Lord said to me out loud, he said, don't be afraid to ask me to heal dementia and Alzheimer's. And I'm thinking, I'm looking around to see who's talking in my, in my living room. And I, man, I, all of a sudden I had these goosebumps all over my my goosebumps had some goosebumps. I mean, I was feeling something really charged up. One week later to the day, almost to the hour, I'm walking the dog, and there's this piece of paper laying in the trash, laying on the ground right beside my trash can. And I picked it up, and it says, Alzheimer's application. It was the second week that this happened. I thought, oh, Lord, are you giving me a sign? You have somebody throw this out here just for me because I'm so little faith? So... I took it in the house. I sat there and I just stared at it a while. And the Lord said, and don't be afraid to ask me to heal Alzheimer's and dementia. I said, I got it. I got it, Lord. I'm catching on. You know, God wants to do those things. Those are not sent by the Lord. Autism is not sent by the Lord. God did not do that. God did not cause that. That it's coming from a different source than God. But he has given us authority and permission and a mandate to pray and ask for, for, ask for healing. How much time have I got? Oh, I got two more minutes. I'm just on page four. I got seven. We're good. Now, John chapter 14, he says this. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the works that I do, no, I skipped it. I skipped the phrase. He that believes on me, and the word he is not a, is, a, is not gender specific. He is the same as she in this particular text. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he or she, happen or she, slash mark, that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he or she do, because I go to my Father. If you ask, listen to this, if you ask anything in my name, I could possibly do it if I feel like it. No, that's not what You ask anything in my name, I will do it. If he didn't say it, he, if he didn't think it, he shouldn't have had not have these guys write it down. Because they wrote it. It was God speaking by the Holy Spirit to write these things down. And it wasn't just for them. Oh, I got a picture. I'm going to paint this for you. The apostles all died. 
Some were crucified upside down. One was boiled in oil. One was left sawed apart. Uh, one was pulled apart with, with uh, chariots. Uh, they had all kind of ways the apostles all died, and God blessed them. We'll see them in heaven. John was the last one. He died of old age. And I could just see John laying in the bed, his deathbed, and he's moments away, and there's a long line of people going out the door that, uh, well, we've got to hurry up because the, the teaching is that the healing died out with the apostles when they all died. So did the miracles. They all died with the last apostle. John. They're taking John's hand and laying it over there. Oh yeah, they're healed. But the next one, I'm sorry y'all, John has just passed away. He just drifted off. So uh, I'm sorry y'all are out of luck. Y'all go home and and tend to your wounds, wounds. Go home and get well. But that's not what the scripture here says. He that believes on me. We are becoming, as I said last time, I was talking to you about the hand of God, the five things, the five things that the hand of God are. And I said, the, uh, and he gave some apostles and some prophets that point the way, some evangelists, which are the furthest reaching group, the pastors who are married to the church and the teachers who bring balance, cut that off and you can't pick stuff up right. You definitely can't play the guitar. It's not going to be right. Anyway, he give all of those for the edifying, for the perfecting, for the maturing and equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's why he's given us it. Jim, this is what our job is. To teach the people how to pray for the sick. It's so simple. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. You want to read that? Our job is to equip the saints. If I, can you give me five more minutes? Okay, ten. The, uh, a lot about five. He has equipped and, and our job, my job, and the people who teach the gospel is not just to teach a feel-good gospel about make you feel good about yourself, make you feel good about society and whatever's happening, but our job is to equip you to do the works of the ministry and to teach the people how to pray for the sick. And I, I, I taught this lesson, not this lesson here, but a lesson about how to pray for the sick to some people who never had prayed for the sick. They would just do a prayer chain, which I don't have too much confidence in. Let's get a prayer chain going. Oh, well, you know, don't let me know what's going on. I'll, I'll be a praying. I'll send you a little fish sticker. On a, I'll send you a little cross or something. Praying hands on the, on the internet. <laughs> I think that is so hilarious. When, when our job is to teach people how to pray for this sick, declare healing for the one.
prophesy healing to the people who are not well. Laying hands on the sick. And I took this lesson to a church that don't even believe in healing. And I took it on a Wednesday night. I actually it was John Wimber's teaching. John Wimber was, for those who don't know, was a, one of the guys that are very instrumental in beginning the vineyard movement and uh, taught people how to pray for the sick and all that. Worship and all the good things that goes along with that. I taught them how to pray for the sick and I taught them the five steps in the healing process. I left that church to go to my next assignment. Before I left there, I would be, some people would come up for prayer and I said, now, those of you that were in the Wednesday night service, you get to come up here and hang out with me while we pray for this and here. And they, I said, no, the way you do that is you put your hand on them. And so what I would do is I'd put my hand on top of their hand and I would pray. And then I'd say, now you say something. And they would pray. And God did stuff. We had people that would come to church and they couldn't even leave until they got saved. So they came to Christ. After I moved on to my next assignment, they went, to, uh, they went to pray for somebody with the stage 3 cancer and got healed the stage 3 cancer. They weren't spirit-filled. They didn't speak in tongues. They didn't do any of that stuff. But what they did do was follow the instruction that I gave them that was given to me. I passed it on from who I got it from and gave it to them. And when they got it, they said, hey, let's try this, what Ron said. <laughs> And they prayed for him and the Lord healed him. That is so cool. I love that story. I love it when God uses average people to do extraordinary things that is actually average a regular day at work for us. Amen. Okay. Uh, i got two more minutes. The gifts, he gives us gifts. And uh, the gifts that he gives us are gifts, it's like tools. I have in my, I drove my truck today, and in my truck I have a toolbox. And the toolbox has tools. If I'm going to go drive some nails in a, in a board somewhere, I try not to do that, but if I have to go do that, then I don't use a framing square to do that. I use a hammer. He gives us the right tool. I have to pick the right tool for the job that I'm doing. And so he gives us these gifts of the Spirit. And when he gives us the gifts of the Spirit, he gives them to us so that we can have tools to work with to bring healing and help for those people who are hurting. To one, he gives healing. Now, what is healing? Healing is a person that you pray for that's not, they don't get all completely well that day, but they start the process. Dad prayed for this lady one time and had a big cancer on her face. And, uh, and she didn't get well. She came back to the next night to the meeting and the cancer was gone. And there was new baby skin there where the cancer used to be. She said she went home to wash her face and when she did it, fell off in the sink. The cancer did. I love God. And the reason why God wants to heal people, is so that they will fall in love with Jesus. If he uses me, 
for something. Yea, God, I'm in more in love with the Son. That's why we do this. So people will fall in love with Jesus and want to follow him. Miracles are, are miracles are something that happens to a person and, and it suddenly happens. He, I pray for people who this lady came to church. This is our first church, and I had—I didn't—I was didn't have a clue. I didn't know the five steps in the healing process. I just knew that I prayed in Jesus' name. God, God did stuff, and so I prayed for this lady. She came to church, and I, I didn't even know her. I never did know her. And I had to ask her, her name. First, it was the first time to church. She comes to church, and she says, "I have a condition in my stomach. I've had it for twelve years." I said, "Hey, Jesus likes to heal things. He's been sick for twelve years." And I prayed for her. And she began to bounce. And she said, what's going on? I said, I, I'm not sure, but I think you're getting healed. And she just kept bouncing. She said, I can't stop. Her, her daughter-in-law and her son came up for that. But while they were standing in there, they came to Christ. Because they'd never seen Mama dance and bounce like that. So the Lord healed. Her name was Peggy. The Lord healed Peggy. And I didn't realize it. But a couple of weeks before then, I was out visiting a lady in the, in the country that was a member of the church that couldn't come to church. And so I'd go, she wanted me to come out and have cake and tea with her. So I did. I love cake and tea. And I went out there. On the way out there, the Lord said, stop here and pray. And I thought, what, is, what am I doing? So it's a church. It's a church here. It's out in the country. Where? I walked out there. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to pray about? Pray for revival for this church. And I said, hey, I want to pray for revival for my church. I'm about five miles away. I'm going to pray. But I'll pray because you said it. I pray. Revival, Lord. Let revival. They didn't want revival. They didn't want an outpouring. They didn't want it. They wanted everything to be just three songs on the prayer and a special prayer and a special, special request and all that stuff. And then move on to the message and have it just as I am and go home. That's what they wanted. They didn't want revival. But the people that came to church that Sunday was a member of that church and the Lord got revival to those people anyway went around the leadership and they came to my church and got revival and not only did that son got saved and the other son and his wife got saved and he was a totally total redneck and the Lord saved them all and he obeyed in the process when I went to my next assignment they were all still very involved in church big time I want you to understand that God, that's a miracle. God did that miracle right away. God wants to do that. And the gift of faith is another one. When you can have the ability to believe God for anything that's way past what our mind says, you can do. And there's words of knowledge is another one. And one day I'll get a, an opportunity to share all of these things and do a release. I'll pray over you and, and impart that into you. You can do the same thing if you're not already doing it. Words of knowledge is when you begin to know something and then, and then all, of a, all of a sudden you know you're thinking about something you wasn't thinking about earlier, but you're thinking about something and God's showing you what he wants to do. He wants to show you what he's going to do. Words of wisdom. My uh, small group I had, I had this guy, this couple came to church. They were like straight as an arrow. Uh, I think they were Episcopal. I'm not sure. Uh, either Presbyterian I, I, some of those are blurred. I don't know who's one of what. And they came to church, come to our small group. And uh, it's, it's John and Bonnie. 
And John came he said, he said, I, I need y'all to pray for me. And suddenly I knew. I said, I'm hearing that you have an invention that something's missing on your invention. And the Lord says, go back and look at that again. Look at your drawing. There's something missing out of the drawing. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I've got, I have an invention, but it's not, it doesn't work. I said, go try it again. It's kind of like when the guy, the prophet told him, go look again, you know. He goes and looks again. And so he goes, he comes back the next week. He said, I found it. The thing works perfectly. And he said, now I can get a patent on it. I said, good. I mean, I'm thinking maybe he'd remember me when he got sell all that. Maybe he'd remember me and give a little donation my way. But no, he didn't do that. He moved on to somebody else's small group. But it's okay. It's all the Lord's anyway. It was good. But words of wisdom. The Lord gives us information that we didn't think about before. We didn't. We couldn't have conjured it up. But there it is. One is called distinguishing of spirits. So you know, when I'm, sometimes I don't know always, but sometimes I can tell if something's not right about that person or not. And the Lord just shows us that. And I'm not looking for that. And there's a word called prophecy. That's when you become aware by, by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gives us words of what the intention of the Lord is, what He wants to do, what He desires to do in the life of individuals or in a small group. Church. And then tongues and interpretation of tongues. We don't see a lot of that in the church today, but it's still happening all around. And uh, one day we'll have some more of that. That'd be cool. So, I, uh, I'm going to have to stop there because our time is actually running soon. I've gone over. Oh, Lord, I'm way over the limit. But uh, thank you very much for, uh, for coming today. If you have a condition in 